1: to download the reading plan for Confessions, visit ascensionpress.com/catholicclassics or text Confessions to
0: 33777. Click follow or subscribe in your podcast app for daily notifications. This is day 46. Today we will be reading
1: Book 11, chapters 15 through 20 in the Ascension edition of the book.
0: If you'd like to hear some of our conversations on other subjects, follow up with us and three of our brother priests on the podcast God's Planning. There you'll find weekly episodes on a variety of Catholic themes, with occasional guests, scriptural meditations, and special series. You can find Godsplaining with any podcast app on YouTube and at org.
1: Before we get into the reading, a quick look at what we're covering today. These chapters, Augustine continues his consideration of time, but not simply time itself, but how we exist in time. He'll consider the relationship between past, present, and future. And he arrives at the conclusion today that nothing exists in the past and nothing exists in the future, but everything only exists in the present. This is because things in the past were and things in the future are yet to be. So we'll unpack that. It leads him to the conclusion that our relationship to past and future only exists through the present. So we think here the kind of the flowing of time through the present will will probably be able to follow Augustine a little bit. So let's get started with the prayer and then turn to the readings. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Chapter 15 And yet we say a long time and a short time, though only about times past or to come. For example, we say that something is a long time in the past when it took place a hundred years ago, and we say that something is a long time to come when it is a hundred years in the future. But we call a short time past, for example, ten days back, and a short time to come ten days from now. But in what sense is that which does not exist short or long? For the past does not now exist, and the future does not yet exist. Therefore, let us not say it is long, but rather let us say concerning the past it was long, and concerning the future it will be long. O my Lord and my Light, here too shall not your truth laugh at man? For was that past long time lengthy, when it was past or when it was still present? For it could have been long when that which could be long existed, but when it was past it no longer existed. Thus we could not say that which does not exist at all could be long. Therefore, let us not say a past time was long, for we shall not find what was long, given that once it is past it no longer exists. Rather, let us say that present time was long, for when it was present it was long, for it had not yet passed away so as to thus no longer be. Therefore that which could be long existed, but after it was passed that which ceased to be also ceased to be long. Let us see then, O soul of man, whether present times can be long, for you are the one who feels and measures the length of time. What will you answer me? When they are present, are a hundred years a long time? Let us first see whether a hundred years can be present. For if the first of these years is current, then it is present. However, the other ninety-nine are still to come, and therefore do not yet exist. But if the second year is current, one is now past, another present, and the rest to come. And so, if we assume any middle year amid these hundred is present, all that are before it are past, and all that come after it are to come. Therefore, a hundred years cannot be present. But let us see at least whether the one that is now current is itself present. For if the current month is its first, the rest are yet to come. And if the second now is current, the first already lies in the past, and the rest are yet to come. Thus this current year is not wholly present either, for if it is not present as a whole, then the current year is not present. For twelve months make up a year, and whatever one of these months is current is present, with the rest past or to come. But neither is that current month present, for only one day is present, with the rest to come, if it is the first, or in the past, if it is the last, or amid the past and the future, if it is in the middle. Behold how the present time which we discovered was the only one that could be called long, is shortened to the length of scarcely one day. But let us examine this too, for neither is one day present as a whole. It is made up of twenty-four hours of night and day. The first hour has all the rest to come after it, and the last has all those before it in the past. And any of the hours in between has come before it in the past, and others lying in the future. Indeed, that one hour passes away in fleeting particles. Whatever has flown by lies in the past, and whatever remains is to come. The only thing that we can call the present is an instant of time, which we might conceive as an indivisible particle made up of no subdivided moments. And yet this present particle flies with such great speed from the future to the past that it has no length at all. For if it did, it would be divided into past and future, but the present takes up no space. Where then are we to find that time that we desire to call long? is it in the future we do not say that it is long for it does not yet exist so as to be long rather we say that it will be long when therefore will it be for while it lies in the future it shall not be long for nothing can be long if it does not yet exist and so it would seem that it would be long when it passes from the future and now comes into being in the present but then the present will cry out as it did above it cannot here be long chapter 16. And yet, Lord, we perceive intervals of time that compare them to each other, saying that some are shorter and others longer. Likewise, we measure how much longer or shorter this time is than that one, declaring this is double or triple the length of that one, and that one is the same length as the other one, or just as much as it is. But we measure times that are passing by perceiving them, and yet who can measure past times, which do not now exist, or future times, which do not yet exist? Unless one presumes to say that something that does not exist can be measured, then when time is passing it may be perceived and measured, but when it is past, it cannot, for it does not exist. Chapter 17 I ask all this, Father. I do not claim to settle the matter. O my God, rule and guide me. Who will tell me that there are not three times, as we learned when boys and taught boys, past, present, and future, but only the present, since the other two do not exist? Or do they also exist? And when time arrives from the future and becomes present, does it come forth from some secret place? And so too does it go back into some secret place when the present becomes past? For where did those who foretold future events see these events if they do not exist now? For that which does not exist cannot be seen, and they who speak about things past could not so speak if they did not perceive them in their mind, and if they did not exist, they could not in no way be perceived. Therefore things past and to come somehow must be. Chapter 18 Allow me, Lord, to seek further. O my hope, do not let my purpose be confounded, for if past and future times exist, I wish to know where they are. But if I cannot yet know this, nonetheless I know that wherever they may be, they are not there as future or past, but they are there as present. For if wherever they are, they also would be future, they would not yet in fact be there. And also if they are there as past, they no longer are there. Wherever anything whatsoever is, it is only there as present. However, when past facts are spoken about, it is not the things themselves in the past that are drawn out of memory, but rather words conceived by the images of the things, which themselves in their passing left through the senses images as traces in the mind. Thus my childhood, which does not now have being, is in time past, which does not exist. However, when I now recall its image and speak about it, I behold it in the present, for it is still in my memory. But I confess, O my God, that I do not know if something similar takes place when things to come are also foretold, so that the images of things that as yet do not exist may be perceived beforehand as already existing. But this I do know. We generally think beforehand about our future actions, and this foresight is present, though the action that we have in mind ahead of time does not yet exist, for it is still to come. But when we set out upon the action and begin to do what we were thinking beforehand, then that action shall have being, for then it will no longer be future, but present." In whatever way such secret foresight of future things take place nonetheless we can say that only that which exists can be seen but it is not the future that now has being but rather the present therefore when things come are said to be seen it is not those things themselves that are seen which as yet do not exist for they still are to be but rather it is their causes perhaps or signs which already do have being that are seen Therefore they are not future, but present to those who now see the means for foretelling the future, which thus is foreseen in the mind. And these foresights now exist, and those who foretell things behold their conceptions present before them. Allow the countless variety of things to furnish me with an example of this. I behold the daybreak, and thus predict that the sun is about to rise. What I behold is present, but what I foretell is still to come. Not the sun, which already is, but the sunrise, which has not yet taken place. And yet if I did not imagine in my mind the sunrise itself, as I do even now while speaking of it, I could not foretell it. However, that daybreak that I perceive in the sky is not the sunrise, even though it precedes the sunrise. The imagination in my mind is not that sunrise either, but both now are seen as present, so that the other which still is to be might be foretold. Therefore future things do not yet have being, and therefore do not now have it. And if they do not now have being, they cannot be seen. However, they may be foretold from things present which already have being and are seen. Chapter 19 Thus, O ruler of your creation, how is it that you teach souls about things to come? For you did teach your prophets. How do you, for whom nothing lies in the future, teach future things? Or rather, you teach present things concerning the future? For whatever does not have being cannot be taught. All this is far beyond my insight. It is too mighty for me. I cannot grasp it. But you can enable me to do so when you so deign, O sweet light of my hidden eyes. Chapter 20 What is now clear and plain is that neither things to come nor things past exist nor do we speak properly when we say that there are three times, past, present, and future. Yet perhaps we might properly say that there are three times, a present of things past, a present of things present, and a present of things to come. For these three do exist in some way in the soul, and I do not see them elsewhere. Thus the present of things past is memory, the present of things present is before my gaze, and the present of things to come is in expectation. If we might be permitted to speak this way, I see three times and can Confess that there are three. Let it also be said that there are three times past, present, and future, as we incorrectly say. Behold, I will neither object, nor resist, nor register a critique, if when this is said one understands that neither future nor past now exists. For we speak improperly about most things, and only for very few have the proper words, though the things intended are understood. So Augustine dives into this question of time today, uh, moving towards a conversation about past, present, and future by wondering what it means when we say a long time or short time has passed. So as we're going through these chapters through Book 11, he's going to use different examples with respect to speech and memory and um, these sort of things, words, to sort of illustrate how he's contemplating figuring out this problem of time. So now he's talking about a short or long time. What does it mean when we say that something was long or short? He makes the observation that the past doesn't now exist and the future is yet to exist. The past doesn't exist anymore and the future is not yet existing. And he wants to make our speech, what we say and how we reflect these realities, accurate regarding the past and the future so that we can engage accurately with these things. So not existing, not yet to exist. What do you think in Father Gregory?
0: Yeah, I think that when we hear does not exist or no longer exists or does not exist or has not yet come to exist with respect to past and future, respectively, it sounds like, um, It relegates them to a subordinate or secondary status. But we want to say at least the past has something to say about who I am and what I am for, insofar as it has played a huge role in my own formation. And I think it's in light of these types of intuitions that St. Augustine is struggling as much as he is uh, to try to answer these questions satisfactorily. And he's also doing so in conversation with the ancient philosophical tradition. So, time and its vagaries is a theme that's very precious to like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and in aristotle's physics for example he entertains certain paradoxes perhaps you're familiar with the term paradox as an apparent contradiction which boggles the mind and causes deeper reflection and he uses these paradoxes from the tradition of a philosopher named zeno who was in the school of a philosopher named parmenides who basically wanted to deny that there is any real change at all that that every appearance of change is illusory. And you might say to yourself, well, Father Gregory, this seems to be a problem that applies only to, you know, the fourth century BC, and we've totally gotten over it. And as a result of which, you know, we should just move on. But then you might ask yourself, are there people in the 21st century who say like our physical appearance doesn't matter much and we should be able to make life decisions on the basis of how we alone feel and we alone have access to our inner kind of sanctum of feelings? And then you might nod your head and then say, yes, okay, this does apply. Um, So it's very important to be able to weigh our experience of life against a backdrop that's genuinely objective that we can discuss with other people. And so St. Augustine is trying to ground our experience in some common thing, you know, some, some common backdrop so that we have terra firma upon which to stand and from which to explore. Because if we don't know these types of things, at least at the level of common sense, right, then then we can be lost and we can kind of throw our hands up in despair and say, I'll never grow, I'll never heal, I'll never come to a deeper appreciation of who I am and what I am for, because all of this is just so much appearance or all of this is just so much dross. So um, yeah, So we can motivate our engagement with these texts on the basis of observations like that.
1: Yeah. And and in that, so St. Augustine, he leads us into his conclusion by giving us this sort of out of not a syllogism, but this kind of argument, right? And he questions, as, as I've said, he's questioning, what do we say about length of time with respect to past, present, future, and memory, and how this all shapes us? And he says that, you know, the length of things, it's a difficult thing to say. And he uses the example of a year, or a hundred years actually. And he says, can a hundred years be present, as as we just heard? And his answer is, is well, no, a hundred years, it can't be present because if we're in year one, then we have 99 years in the future and those are yet to be. But if we're in year 50, we have 49 years that have passed. Um, so some of those are in the past. So as a whole, 100 years can't be present. And he does that then with respect to time, or you know, we can think about it with respect to like a day, an hour, you know, if, if 60 minutes, you know, well, if we have 59 minutes that are yet to be, then they're not all present in this moment. So he, he gets to the conclusion that, that we measure the passing of time as the passing of present moments. All the same, we can conceptualize and engage with the past and the future, because in some way they don't exist in the present moment, but they exist, you know, in as much as there are memories or we can come up with what is to come, you know, what might be. So he doesn't want it. That's all to say he doesn't want to dismiss, as Father Gregory was explaining, dismiss the reality of or the influence. Let's say the influence for a little kind of clearer definition of the past and the future. But he's asking like, well, how do we engage with that? And how does how is it measured? And what are we saying as time passes? And he wants to insist on the fact that it's the present that we count, that we exist in, and our engagement with the past and the future are different than our engagement with the present. Um, he thinks too of his, of his childhood and of the reality of his childhood, he can remember it. You know, it doesn't exist currently because he's no longer a child, but it quote unquote exists and how it influences who he is and shapes who he is. He also talks about like the sun we know the sun will rise though it's not currently rising even at dawn if we don't see it yet so um, he's engaging with this sort of trifecta past present future but wants to insist on it's the present it's in the present that that we are so there's a lot of examples there's the hundred years there's the time there's the, then thinking about the past with his childhood, the future with this with the rising of the sun i think he's just hammering home the point i don't know how how you see all that as a piece to sort of yeah, really reiterate the importance of the present.
0: Um, I read a book with Father Bonaventure last year called A Hundred Years of Solitude or Cien Años de Solidad by Gabriel García Márquez. And I think it might be about this particular image because he has a lot of characters, the names of whom recur. Like there are a lot of characters named Jose Arcadio and a lot of characters named Aureliano of the Buendía family. And there's this kind of eternal recurrence of the same, but it's not until the end that you see it kind of come together, which I won't say further about that particular theme because it might be a little bit of a spoiler. But I think the idea here is that he's struggling with this consideration of what does it mean to be present? Because, all right, if the past is fugitive, as St. Augustine describes, and if the future is not yet, then how do we relate to them? And I think what he's you know suggesting is that we relate to them at present. So we, we retain a hold on the past by memory, we engage with the present by awareness, and we anticipate, he says, the future, uh, or we have a kind of living contact with the future by way of anticipation. But they're made efficacious or they're brought to bear in the present. And you might say to yourself, okay, that's, that seems a lot for a human being to do to try to hold all this together in himself, but for God, all of this is present because God abides in his kind of standing now, which now is, you know, like it holds together past, present, and future. And so all of this for us, you know, seems a lot to hold together, but we have it in conversation with, or we have it kind of in relation to the God who holds them in being, right? In some certain way or in a way that's proper to his divine knowledge and love. And so I think that that not like takes the pressure off to make it sound like this was all one big psychological effort, but, You know in describing something that's that's deeper that's richer um that that goes beyond the merely psychological we're talking about an experience which can bring to bear on our human lives something of its salvation at the end of the day like it's not enough for us to simply know and to love we want to know and to love in a way that makes sense and that that really matters that genuinely matters and we know that it can and we know that it does because it makes sense and it matters to god you know who gives it to be who gives it to act and so that's i think a really yeah, just beautiful setting in which to place our own efforts at, at knowing and loving, you know, vis a vis or before the standing now of God who holds all things together in him himself.
1: Yeah. And he, St. Augustine concedes too that this is difficult and that, you know, our language of just using past, present, future is. Fine for language, but he does want to hammer home the point that a better description of our sort of existence in time, you know, with rather than just saying past, present, future, he says that it would be better, our language would better represent the reality if we spoke of it as a present of things past, a present of things present, and a present of things to come or a present of things future. Because why? Well, because we're engaging, we're existing in these present moments. And when we look to the past and engage with the past, and when we look to the future and engage with the future, we're still doing that in the present moment. So it's this kind of like we exist in the present. And we can see, too, that there's a distant relationship to how God exists, not in the past or the future. There is no past or future in God at all, but he exists as an eternal present, and therefore God engages with us in his eternal present present. So it's it's putting us it's recognizing that we are created to be in relationship to God not on our terms but on his terms on divine terms which is kind of neat kind of interesting. Again, it's a lot that St Augustine confesses that he, he doesn't have a good grip grip a good grasp on on all of this and he says, you know, fine we can use the language of past present and future but we can have a deeper understanding of what that means even if we're just scratching the surface of what that means. So We don't have to walk away with, ah, I get time and the continuum of time and blah, blah, blah. No, but but that there's some way that we exist in this, we can be a little more precise about what it is that we're even experiencing. So final thoughts before we wrap up for today, Father Gregory.
0: Yeah, I think a nice little practical takeaway point is that this should condition the way that we engage with the life of grace. Because I think sometimes we look at the past and we regret our past sins and vices and we live there. Or we look to the future and we anticipate future graces and virtues, maybe that we've seen others live in their lives, which we hope are going to come our way, and then we try to live there. But you can't live in the past and you can't live in the future. You can only live in the present. And so in the present, we avail ourselves of the grace of repentance, right? We look to the past, we lament, we hate the sins that we have committed. Uh, We seek to distance ourselves from the vices which may or may not have grown up. And then we open ourselves anew and afresh to the Lord in the present. Right, And with respect to the future, we want him to further confirm who we are and what we're made for in the present so that we can have a kind of confidence going forward, that we can endeavor magnanimous things by his grace and unto his glory. Uh, but we can't build castles in the clouds. We have to respond to the actual grace that he's giving in light of his predilection and predestination. We have to be small. We have to play our part. We have to you know, seek to cultivate a certain humility whilst not backing away from the great and glorious things that he has in store. But all of that is brought to bear in the present because only the present has genuine grace right the only grace to be had from past and future is the grace that god mediates now which is to say to look at the past truly to look at the future genuinely and then to seek to open our hearts to the god who is in the here and now bringing it all to bear so that for me is a very sobering point a chastening point which helps me to live now
1: Great. Well, we'll leave you with that for today. A lot to kind of soak in, meditate on. Um, We'll pick up with St. Augustine's thoughts on on time tomorrow. So stay tuned. Know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us. And we will catch you next time on Catholic Classics.